Hello, we're studying a biblical grandmother here today on Search for Truth. This is your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. Many thanks for the pleasure of your company. Thanks for tuning in. Today, Brian brings us talk seven in this eight-part series, where we're seeing what these biblical grandparents can teach us. Today's talk is called The Grandmother Who Teamed Up to Raise a Man of God. So, let's learn more about her and her teammate now with Brian. Thanks, John. Lots of grandmothers are mentioned in the Bible, but Second Timothy is the only place where the term grandmother is actually used, and it's to tell us about someone called Lois. Let's read about that now from Second Timothy 1 at the top of the chapter. Paul to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Lois was a devout Jewess, who'd obviously instructed her daughter and grandson in the Old Testament scriptures. We know nothing at all about her husband, but we do know that their daughter was given a Greek name, which might indicate that the father, Lois's husband, was also a Greek. The family lived in Lystra, among a people who worshipped the gods of Greece, but somehow Lois succeeded in raising a daughter who loved the God of the Bible. The Apostle Paul came into their lives as follows, and this reading is taken from Acts chapter 16. Paul came to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Eunice, that Jewish woman in question, and daughter of Lois, lived up to her name, which means conquering well, inasmuch as she too had gained the victory over that same pagan society by raising a God-fearing son. She'd also married a Greek man, a Gentile, and presumably an unbeliever. They had a son, Timothy. Nothing else is said about Timothy's father, so we may be correct in assuming he was dead by the time his wife Eunice met the Apostle Paul, at which point they begin to feature in the New Testament story. How Eunice, the daughter of the pious Lois, had come to marry a pagan Greek, we don't know. And equally, we don't know of the circumstances which led the family to settle at Lystra, a place where there wasn't even a Jewish synagogue. That fact could well imply that at most two or three Jewish families lived there. Perhaps Lois and Eunice were the only worshippers of the God of Abraham living there, for we don't even read of a meeting place for prayer, such as the one down by the riverside where Paul first met Lydia. Yet in such adverse circumstances, and as the wife of a Greek, Eunice proved to be someone to whom royal Lemuel's praise applied in the fullest sense. Her children arise up and call her blessed, and her works praise her in the gates, where we might well be thinking of the gates of the New Jerusalem. Just to recap, there was no synagogue in Lystra where Timothy might have heard Moses and the prophets read every Sabbath. 
there was little conducive religious companionship available, nor the means for instruction of any kind, not even a father's example. In a house like that of Timothy's father, there would of course be no mezuzahs, those little containers of portions of scripture which Jewish homes had attached to their doorposts. But we know that from the time of the Syrian persecutions, just before the uprising of the Maccabees, portions of the Old Testament were quite often owned by private families, at least in Israel. It seems this was the means of instruction at the disposal of Eunice for teaching her son. Early in Bible history, God let his thoughts be known concerning Abraham, the father of the Jews, saying, I know him and he will command his children after him. It seems then that Eunice and her mother Lois before her were true daughters of Abraham. Indeed, they were both such as could be described as virtuous women, to quote from how the book of Proverbs ends. And that book, the book of Proverbs, contains the fullest appreciation of women in their true dignity, especially in the early upbringing of children. In fact, the last two chapters of the book of Proverbs introduce to us the royal family of Massa, an area beyond the limits of the Holy Land. And this royal family is one deeply saturated with the spiritual religion of the Old Testament, to the extent that in Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 1, we find the mother of the heir to the throne training her son in the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Not only that, but her maternal instruction is actually captured as part of the inspired record of the Old Testament. Well, back to Lois and Eunice. There's no doubt that their devout Jewish faith and knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures had prepared their hearts to receive the words of Paul regarding eternal life through Jesus Christ, which is, of course, what God had designed those Old Testament scriptures to do. Paul speaks of the unfeigned faith that was in Timothy, and he adds that this faith dwelt at the first in his grandmother Lois and in his mother Eunice. Timothy hadn't been circumcised in childhood, probably due to his father's Gentile influence, but mother and grandmother certainly did all in their power to train Timothy in the fear of God and in the knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures. His careful home training led to him being prepared to give a welcome both to Paul and to the gospel proclaimed by him. When the apostle, in his first great missionary journey, came to Lystra, one of the cities of Lycaonia, or southern Galatia, where Eunice and her family lived. This is implied in the account of Paul's second missionary journey, where we read that he came to Lystra and he found there a certain disciple called Timothy, the son of a certain woman who was a Jewess who believed. It's certain and it's clear that Eunice and Timothy were not brought to a knowledge of the gospel at this time, but they were already Christians, she a believer, he a disciple. This evidently means that Eunice, Lois and Timothy had been converted on Paul's former visit to Lystra. This conclusion is confirmed in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul recalls to Timothy the fact that he had fully known the persecutions and afflictions which came to him at Lystra. These persecutions happened on Paul's first visit to that city. Eunice was therefore one of those who on that occasion became disciples. And her faith in Christ and her son's faith too were genuine and stood the test of much tribulation which Paul had warned them about. On his second missionary tour, 
Paul found the young man highly spoken of by the little group of Christians in that city. He was of such evident ability and promise that Paul made him a missionary helper. Eunice lived up to her name, for she conquered in the effort to bring up her son in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, such that he became a famous evangelist. Years later, when Paul lay in the prison at Rome, awaiting trial and likely execution, he writes his second letter to his beloved helper, nostalgically reminiscing over the faith Timothy has shown, and reminding him that this same faith was first in his grandmother Lois and in his mother Eunice. As Paul prayed for Timothy night and day, his gratitude for Timothy kept welling up anew. Sitting chained in a Roman prison, there was little else Paul could do but pray, and Timothy, perhaps Paul's closest companion, ministering to the church that Paul probably knew best, was no doubt the single most common focus of his prayers. Paul remembered Timothy's tears on their last parting, possibly at Paul's second Roman arrest. In his last ever Bible letter, he would ask Timothy to join him in Rome. Paul had longed for Timothy's companionship, which was such a joy to him. Even the great apostle at times became lonely, discouraged and in need of support from fellow Christians. So many, it seems, had opposed or deserted Paul that Timothy's sincere faith stood out in bold relief. Paul attributed Timothy's faith to the influence of his Jewish mother Eunice and grandmother Lois. If, according to this verse, Paul seems rather to attribute Timothy's conversion to his mother and grandmother, it must then mean that references to Timothy as Paul's son in the faith should be understood to mean a mentor-protégé relationship. The name Timothy means someone who fears God, a name obviously picked by his faithful mother. The record of Timothy demonstrates the value of positive Christian training in the home. Lois and Eunice took the responsibility to pass on their faith very seriously, and as a result they raised up a young man who became a servant of Christ. For this they've gone down in history as outstanding mothers and great women of faith. The striking feature of the scriptural record of Eunice and Lois is their spiritual Jewish influence on Timothy. It was from them also that he derived his first impressions of Christian truth, for Paul calls to remembrance the earnest faith which first dwelt in them. How gratified they must have been when Timothy set out to do the work of an evangelist. After Paul's reference to Lois and Eunice in his second epistle to Timothy, they're not mentioned again. The important feature we glean from the little we read of them is that of the value of a positive Christian training in the home. This is an encouragement to all mothers who want to raise their children to love God. Lois and Eunice were a mother-daughter team that raised up a man of God, Timothy. These women were responsible for passing their faith on to the next generation. His fitness to be the companion and co-worker of Paul finds its explanation largely in the home training and pious example given by these two notable women.
The wonderful words of our hymn today are the desire of everyone from Timothy and his family we've just been hearing about and everyone else who has put their faith in Christ. These are the words. As thou hast died for me, O may my love to thee pure, warm and changeless be, a living fire. So I remind you once more that we have a free transcript book for this series and it's available to you by asking for the title Grandparents. You can order by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon SN4 8DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. And did you know, by looking up www.searchfortruth.org.uk, you'll find our church's main website where you can download some actual programmes and their accompanying transcripts as well as accessing other helpful material. I hope you enjoyed the helpful talk today and thanks once again for your interest in our programmes. It's been great to have your company. Next week we'll be learning from yet uh, another biblical grandmother who helped change a curse into a blessing. So please join us if you can. Until then, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, uh, our singers, and me, John. So cheerio, and may God richly bless you. Wow.